0: Good morning, Cross Point. Thank you so much for joining us in worship. Children, you can be released at this time. And for the rest, if you will turn with me to Matthew chapter six. So as you're, you're turning there, and as many of you know, um, these past six months have been uniquely challenging uh, for our family. At the end of June of, of last year, my dad uh, went in for open heart surgery, um, experienced complications from that. And then on Christmas Eve, we got the call that he had passed away. Um, we immediately, well, the day after Christmas, I flew up to be with my mom and, and sister during that time. And I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for, for your patience. Thank you for the the cards for the prayers for the flowers that were even sent up during the memorial service. And thank you. There were two guys who actually flew up to support me during that time in, at the memorial service. And so I I'm just so grateful. One thing that you've heard Justin say over the past two weeks and quoting another pastor in our area is that church is not just like a family church is a family. And I'm grateful that cross point is our family. And I just wanted to, to say thank you in this journey and, and for many who have cared along the way. Um, it's a journey. And I'm thankful to walk that together. At the end of last year and in the closing weeks of last year and in the beginning weeks of this year, I've been praying for us. Myself and for us as a congregation in asking the question, what does God have for us in this coming season? What is it? And I feel like God impressed on my heart this word that has just sunk deeper and deeper in these, these past weeks. And it's not a word about the great things that he's going to do through us. It's not just go and take the city for, for Jesus. I feel like the word that God is impressing on my heart is more of an invitation, an invitation for intimacy with him. Like, think about that for a moment. What if that's what God has for us in this coming year? Is a, a deeper and growing intimacy with him? But it it kind of posed a question for me and for us together. Do you really want more intimacy with God? Like, if you're honest, is that really something that you want? Like, if we could play that game of would you rather, what would you rather? Would you rather have God bless all your plans? So all the plans that you have for this year, all your hopes, all your dreams, if God would just bless that and do what you want, would you rather that... Or would you rather experience God's presence as your plans succeed and fail in the coming year? Which would you rather? See, which would you rather? The, the approval of man, w- w- that, that people see you in everything you do and they applaud you and you grow in followers and fans and recognition at work and in church. Or would you rather intimacy with Christ as your labors go unseen, unnoticed? I find in the invitation to intimacy, I find it to be both inviting and costly. See, it's inviting because in my own heart, when I hear that word, part of me hears This invitation to intimacy with God, and it feels like this breath of mountain fresh air as I'm standing in this polluted, busy city with trucks blowing exhaust in my face. It kind of feels like that. It feels like a calming to a heart that's grieving, that's anxious, that's heavy. It feels personal and warm and close to a heart that sometimes just feels numb. So there's part of me that this invitation to intimacy, it feels inviting, but there's another part that it feels costly because then I'm like, what do I need to let go of? That if I'm going to cling to Christ, if I'm going to draw near to him, what is it that God's going to ask me to let go of? And I imagine it like this. The picture I have in my mind is a child who's just woken up from a nightmare. They're scared. They're afraid. And they've drawn all their stuffed animals together. Right? Like I I was that kid. I didn't want any of my stuffed animals to be alone. So they all were in bed with me. I had no place to sleep. And, And the picture I have in my mind is holding all of them. Right And running out and afraid and desperately needing a loving, warm, secure, safe embrace. And there is a gentle, loving father kneeling down, looking at me in the eyes. And all of a sudden, I have a decision to make. Am I going to keep holding what is my security? Or am I going to let it go and run into the father's arms? But here's the thing. As we get older, it's not just... A stuffed animal. Though you may still have that on your bed, right? But we find other things to take comfort in. Like, what if I'm standing there before God and he's inviting me to intimacy, but he wants me to let go of control? Ah, that longing to have everything go my way, my strategy, God, if you just did what I say, everything would be good. But really... Am I going to have to let go of that security of control? What about the things I seek comfort in? The the pleasures, the things I enjoy. But what if you ask me to let go of that so that I can enter into your embrace? What if it's power? Power. What if it's this longing we have for for influence, for recognition, for position, for titles? What if I have to let go of that and all of a sudden, what I do is unseen? There's a cost. What if it's approval? Needing to have the validation of others so I feel okay about myself. Do I really trust to let go of that to enter your embrace? The invitation to intimacy. It's inviting but it's costly. And so it begs the question, do you desire intimacy with God? And I pray you feel the wrestle at this point, because you probably feel the wrestle of like, part of me really wants to say yes. And I know the good spiritual church answer is yes, I want intimacy with God. And another part of you is like, uh (laughs) uh-oh, like what's that going to cost me? I think both realizations is the grace of God this morning, in both the desire and to be revealed the things that we are clinging to, that God might ask ask us to let go of. Both are his grace in our life. And so I want to invite you to stand with me. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6 pray for us. We're going to be looking at this series in prayer. I don't know where it's going. Even today's message took a different route than I was planning. So I'm just like, I don't know what I'm preaching on next week yet. And then we're going to be going through Philippians together, experiencing God's joy in the midst of heartache and suffering. It's where I'm at and it's where I pray we continue to walk as we pursue this invitation of intimacy together. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. And when you pray, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and, and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard by their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father, He knows what you need before you ask Him. This is God's Word. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see you. Lord, this invitation that exists in this passage to enter your presence. Lord, this invitation for intimacy that has been purchased by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask that you would meet each and every one where we are at this morning. To those who are grieving, your spirit grieves. To those who are rejoicing and celebrating, your spirit is rejoicing and celebrating. And so let us enter in together into your presence. And in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Prayer is a a tool. It's a means of intimacy with God. That's what prayer is. But oftentimes, it's something that we misuse. It's like misusing your fork and your knife. Instead of eating with your fork, you decide to eat with a sharpened blade all the time, which I'll do sometimes with my steak, and the first thing you hear is, what? Don't do that. Because you're going to cut your lips. You're going to cut your tongue. Like You don't eat with a a knife. You eat with your fork, or else you're going to hurt yourself. We can misuse things that have a good and intended purpose. And oftentimes, we can misuse even things that God has given us, such as prayer. This means for intimacy was being used by people that Jesus is confronting to their own end. They were misusing it. And we see what Jesus says. And when you pray, don't be like them, don't be like the hypocrites. Because what they're doing is if you imagine that child standing there with all their stuffed animals, they're not talking to God. They're, they're seeking the approval of people. The people he's addressing, these hypocrites, they're me. They're the pastor. They're the person who stands up. And instead of praying to God, they're praying to impress you. To say, aren't my words wise? Aren't my words so spiritual, so big and theological? You can't even understand them. Aren't I awesome? <laughs> and that's how they were praying. They wanted you to think well of them. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever been mindful and intimidated and not wanting to pray in a group setting? Why? Is it that we're afraid to talk to God? Or is it that we're too concerned about what other people think about us talking to God? We've all been there, if we're honest. Right? Like, I've gotten done praying up here, and I'm like, that was stupid. (laughs) Like, what are people thinking right now? Why did I say that? Why did I say it like that? I could have said it better. And like, we rehearse our prayers while somebody else is praying. Right? We rehearse what we're going to say so that when it comes time for us to pray, we sound good. And then we perform this scripted prayer that we've worked out while somebody else was praying once there's the silence and it's our turn. Why? We want approval, we want others to think we're spiritual. We misuse this means of intimacy with God. To our own end. And this is exactly what the hypocrites were doing. And God said they they get their reward. We do it all the time when we think about the things that we're holding. These stuffed animals, as I've called them. We're holding control. Think about how we misuse prayer. This is how I've been convicted. So this is just my own confession, that sometimes in this image we stand before God and we're holding all these things and he's there, arms wide, right? And instead of dropping them and entering into his embrace, I hand him this teddy bear and I was like, fix it. This control, rather than intimacy with God, We use prayer to to control our circumstances. Lord, would you bless my plans? Lord, would you make them work out? Look, I've worked on this great strategy. I have these great plans, and I just need you to bless them. And then if God doesn't do it, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Prayer doesn't work. It's broken. God didn't do what I said. So it must not work. Because we're misusing prayer to just... Seeking the things of God rather than God Himself. We do the same thing with comfort. Lord, would you just take away the pain? Lord, would you just comfort and and, and just coddle this teddy bear for a while and then I'll be okay? Just stitch it back together and then hand it back so I can keep holding on to it rather than you. Lord, would you give me that promotion, that validation? Would you let people see how much I'm doing? because I really need their approval, because I kind of feel inadequate. But if if people give me verbal affirmation, then I'll feel better. And so, Lord, can you just take this teddy bear and, and fix it and then give it back to me? That's really all I need. Do you see what I mean? We misuse prayer. And God is being direct with us. Jesus is saying, don't be like the hypocrites. They're standing up, and all they're seeking is the approval of others, and they get their reward. That's all they get. They don't get intimacy with God. They're praying, and they do not get intimacy with God. They just get the approval they're seeking. How empty, how shallow is that? What are we pursuing in prayer? And and then we start to look, well, then how do I pray better? Because I'm not getting what I want. Obviously, God's not doing what I said, so maybe I need to say it in a different way. Maybe I need to be more spiritual. I need to pray better. I need to be less distracted. And we look at the form of prayer to try to perform it better so that God does what we want. Missing the point altogether of what prayer is, an invitation to intimacy. Think about that for a moment. What prayer is, what God is, is inviting us into, It says, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Think about what that invitation is. The the pastor standing on stage praying to impress others, and, and he's like, look, go into your room. And your father in heaven, who is in secret, who sees in secret, will meet you there. God, like let, this, let the weight of this reality just settle on us for a moment. God, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end, he has eternally existed and he will exist for all eternity. willing to meet with you. The One who was before the earth was formed when darkness hovered over the waters. The One who spoke wants to meet with you. The provider to Abraham. The great I Am who burned in the bush before Moses. Our banner. Healer, shepherd, peace, master, righteousness. In Jesus, he is called our bread of life, the light of the world, the doorway to God. He is our good shepherd, resurrection and life, the way, the truth, the life, our true vine. Then he's like, Go into your bedroom and meet with me. That's the invitation. But we think, Who is God? We have this picture of God, and who am I? Because I'm not like him. Right? We are very, very different, and he's willing to talk with me in a secret place, in a private place, this God who is in secret, who sees in secret, who understands the depths of our hearts when we can't even utter the words, this God, and, and we would think, what would we have to do? to be in his presence? What mountain would we have to climb? What perfect devotion would we have to follow to even dare for decades before we would enter his presence? What obstacles would we have to overcome? What ritual cleanings would we have to do to clean our hands and our faces and our mouths before we would speak to such a holy God, an eternal being? What would we need to do? What treasure map would we need to follow to enter into his secret presence? And he says, go into your room, shut the door, and talk to me. And pray. See, sometimes I think we're too familiar. Like, if you're familiar with this passage... We can just read it and not fully understand its weight. God is inviting you into his presence, into your bedroom, bed unmade, clutter in the corner, clothes on the closet floor. Go into your room, shut the door, and talk to me, and I'll be there. Really? That's the invitation that's before us. But how often do we just go on about our day? How often do I go on about my day? And Lord, bless my plans. I got a lot to do today. And I miss the invitation that's right before me, seeking the blessings of God, but not his presence. God is inviting you into his Presence in the privacy of your own personal space. Moses stood before a burning bush, and we can kneel beside our unmade bed in our pajamas. How crazy is that? And here's the thing that reality, that gift, this invitation was costly. It was costly to Jesus Christ. His life, death, and resurrection is what it costs. Listen to these passages and understand this invitation, this open invitation to this intimacy with God was purchased by Jesus Christ. Christ. Ephesians 2.18. You'll see these three verses on the screen. For through Jesus, we both, male, female, Jew, Gentile, regardless of our differences, we all have access in one spirit to the Father through Jesus. That is how we take upon this invitation. This is how it was given. Ephesians 3:12, in Jesus, we have boldness, boldness, and access with confidence. Through our faith in him. This is how we enter. This is how we take that invitation that's before us. For int- intimacy with God is through Jesus Christ. And we can do that with boldness and confidence. We can enter into his presence in our bedrooms. Like our minds should be blown. Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places... The holy places. This is pulling from Old Testament language. When you think of the temple, you think of the holy of holies inside the temple, the most holy place where his presence dwelt, that one priest once a year could enter into God's presence. (laughs) He's like, we can boldly, we can have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that is open for us Through the curtain. Remember, there was this curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the people. But this curtain, it says, that is through his flesh, through the flesh of Jesus Christ. And since we have this great high priest in Jesus over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. See, we are purified. The mountain has been climbed. The obstacle has been run. The treasure map is Christ. That is is what he has accomplished. And now the invitation's there. Enter into it, not in front of people, not to impress, not to coddle the things that we want of power and control and comfort and approval, but to enter his presence because he's God. And he is our reward. This is the invitation. What reward do you seek in prayer? I'd like to really ponder for a moment. Actively listen. What reward do you seek in prayer? Is it that God does what you want? How often do I pray that God would just do what I say, bless my plans, make them all come true? Isn't everything yes and amen? Why do I get so upset when God doesn't do what I say, otherwise known as unanswered prayers? Why is that so frustrating to me? Why does it feel like prayer is broken? if God doesn't perform to my every whim? What are you seeking in your prayer? Are you seeking the things of God? Or are you seeking God? This is the question that's been on my heart for me. What am I seeking? That I feel this desire for a greater intimacy with God. But it's also revealing some things in my own heart. And I think it reveals something in our hearts together as we seek Him, of what we really want. I think the better question is not what are you seeking in prayer, but who are you seeking in prayer? Who? The reward Is God's presence. The reward is not just answered prayers. The reward is not that God's a gumball and if you go into your room now and you pray, he's going to do what you want, but don't stand on a stage and pray because then he won't do what you want. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is the person on the stage who's praying just to impress people, that's all they're going to get. They're not actually communing with God. But when you go into your bedroom and you lay your heart before God, you get God. Is that enough? Notice how the text reveals God the Father is present in that secret place. He sees in the secret place and He rewards. He knows your heart. It's like, look, don't don't rack up the many words. I, I love when new believers pray because sometimes... The more mature we get, the more we get this prayer language that's really kind of weird. Have you ever noticed that? Like we can have a normal conversation. Then I go to talk with God and I'm like, oh, Father, <laughs> hallowed be thy name. And, and we like completely change and it becomes like this performance. And it's like, are we really talking with God or am I trying to impress him or me? Like, I have this down, God. I'm really good at praying now. Now are you going to do what I say? And we try to improve how we pray. When the invitation is to talk with God, he's our reward. The secure, loving, warm embrace of a father who paid with his life, to call you son and daughter, who took the pain and the nightmare upon himself to give you comfort. And now there is this invitation with open arms to fall into his embrace. And I find that I'm not praying for control, I'm confessing my fear see, the reason I want control is because I don't know the future, and it all feels uncertain, and it feels outside of my control, and I can't make everything be the way I want it. I can't make outcomes to be the way I want. And what I think is comfort is if God would just make everything work out. But what I really need to do is confess that I'm afraid and confess that I can't make it work out the way I want. And I don't know what to do about that. And I don't know how to be okay with that. And I don't want to be afraid. But I am. so my prayer has sounded more like that. Then, Lord, make things work out. It means confessing my pride and not pursuing power not pursuing recognition, followers, fans, promotion, whatever that may be, but Lord, my heart is so prideful. I want to be recognized. I want to be acknowledged. It means confessing my shame. Let's see, sometimes the reason why we want approval from others is because we feel inadequate ourselves. We feel the doubts. We know our inadequacies, but but if people would validate us, and it means everything's okay, But I don't need man's validation, I need to confess my own insecurities, my own shame and my own brokenness before God and find safety and security in His arms rather than man's praise. And that's hard, it's easy to say. But prayer begins to look different. My hope and desire in today's message is to cultivate what I've been praying is that it cultivates in us a desire for intimacy with God and that it produces a freedom in our relationship with God. Here's what I mean. In this cultivating a desire, a desire to pray, pray in a way that maybe you haven't prayed in a while, maybe to pray at all because you've given up because you think it doesn't work. Because you're not good at it. Because it doesn't sound like how somebody else prays. You don't have that prayer voice yet. Good. A desire to be in his presence. A desire to have intimacy with God in this coming year, knowing it's not going to happen overnight, knowing it doesn't just mean it's going to start tomorrow and everything's going to be better. It means it's a journey that we walk and we journey in together. We'll succeed and we'll fail together, but we're walking into the open arms of Christ. And that there would be freedom, that prayer isn't a performance. Prayer isn't just some religious activity that's done to get what we want out of God. Prayer is a conversation with God. I want to close with three questions and one application. I want to come back to what I started with. Do you desire intimacy with God? And again, not just the church answer, not just the spiritual answer, not just to try to get brownie points with me or the person sitting next to you or with God who understands your thoughts, but do you desire intimacy with God really? Or, or would you just prefer to have the blessings of God without God Himself? And why? because if we're honest, we all have mixed motives. Let's be honest. None of us is sitting here with a pure heart saying, I want intimacy with God and nothing's holding me back. That's none of us here. So let's just like be honest with that. So the question then becomes, the second question is, what is God of what do I need to let go? What is God? asking of me to let go. When you think of these things that we can hold on to, these root things like approval, power, comfort, control, there's two that immediately pop into my mind that as I ask my own heart that question with discernment, I feel like the Holy Spirit brings to mind and said, yeah, these two things you need to let go of because I'm inviting you in. Which of these and why what does that mean? The one thing I have found with God is that he is gentle and kind as he loves us and invites us in. He doesn't say like, here's everything that's wrong, everything you need to let go of. He's gentle and kind. And he's like, here's something right now that has your heart. Can you hand that to me so I can just lay that to the side and draw you in? That's how God works. And then as we draw in, he's like, you're, you're also holding on to this thing here. Can I take that? It's not crushing. He's gentle and kind, so don't think to yourself and sit there in condemnation. I'm a horrible person. I, all of these things I do. Yes, we all do. The question is, what is the Holy Spirit bringing to the surface in this moment that he's inviting you to let go of as you take one step in? towards a deeper intimacy with Christ. And will you pray? Will will you pray in private? No distractions, no background music, no… Like sometimes we get so used to that noisy city illustration that we actually created ourselves because we get uncomfortable with the silence because all of a sudden when the silence hit and these things start coming to the surface, I'd rather push them back down. And so entering into that quiet space, here's one application that I have found helpful for me. I would encourage you that in community groups this week to ask this question, what have you found helpful? That we can learn from one another. One thing that I have found helpful recently is I shared at the beginning, I've had a lot, like my heart and emotions feel all over the place. And so... I was driving, and I wanted to turn on the radio because I didn't want to think. I didn't want to have to deal with any of it. I'm just like, just I don't want to deal. And I felt like God was inviting me to just turn off the, the stereo, and I'm si- driving in silence, and I'm looking at the seat next to me that's empty as I'm driving down the road. And it seems weird. It might seem cheesy, but it was like just imagining Christ sitting there like if Jesus was sitting here next to me, driving in the car, and we're going to this next meeting, what would we talk about? And I just began to talk, and then I started to cry, because <laughs> now I had to deal with everything that was going on. And, and it wasn't praying, it wasn't, I was just telling them. How I was feeling and what was going on, and then I sat there in silence and drove a while and listened and then talked some more and cried some more. And So this has become my practice recently. It's helpful for me for whatever reason. I have an empty chair in my office. There's an empty chair in the car. The motorcycle was a little bit harder, but like there was like… I would encourage you if you feel stuck, go into a quiet space, find an empty chair, imagine Christ sitting there with you, and talk to him. This is the invitation that I believe Jesus is giving us in Matthew 6. Go into that quiet space, shut the door, and pray, and God says he'll be there. As you fumble with words, as you get it wrong, as you get distracted, as you're surrounded by clutter, he'll be there. That's his invitation. The question is how will we respond to his invitation? Let's pray.